Hello. Hello. Welcome back to what Catholic school didn't teach you. Episode four. Episode four. My name is Katie. <laughs> and I'm Jillian. And happy Lent. And Valentine's happy Day. Happy Lent. Yes. When this drops, it'll be Lent. And Valentine's Day. Yeah. Super fun. Wow. Jillian, have you thought about what you're going to do during Lent to uh, grow closer to God or yourself? I have. I'm still trying to really narrow it down. But my thoughts for right now, I have a five-minute journal. For anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's a journal that's supposed to take five minutes, obviously. But there's a morning par- portion and an air- uh, evening portion. So the morning acts like three things you're grateful for, three goals you have for today, and what, like a positive affirmation, I think it is. And then the same thing at night or something similar of how did you meet your goals? What are your goals for tomorrow? Another positive affirmation, something like that. And I felt like when I did it in the past, it was really helpful to center myself in gratitude a lot more. Hmm. Um, so that's what I'm thinking I'm going to add. I'm also going to, I have about a 20 minute commute depending on what the traffic on 95 likes to give me. And I will either do that commute in silence and use that for prayer, but either do that in silence or put the rosary on or divine mercy on. I like to listen to it as I go. Uh, so I think I'm going to do either one of those things as well there might be a third thing but i i'll have to get back to you next week on that one if (laughs) if i implement a third thing because i want to do something of that's more challenging than that yeah Um, i just haven't figured that out yet you're such a you're you're so better at that than i am i'm like (laughs) uh one's one's good enough (laughs) i know maybe i might be doing too much so we'll see how that actually works (laughs) what about you any any thoughts uh yeah, I'm debating right now. So what is for our audience last week, but for us yesterday, we talked to our friend Mark about prayer. And we talked a lot about how like self-care can be your highest form of prayer. And I brought it brought me back to when I was in college and I would run like five to six miles a day. And that was my prayer. And during that time I would listen to songs that helped me meditate and brought me peace which weren't always the best running songs but sometimes, <laughs> sometimes they were like some Mumford and Son, Son songs are like you know they really help you yeah they got that like beat. you connect to your spirituality but they're like you know they're nice and upbeat and I kind of have fallen out of running since honestly since I got married because I don't need to fit into a dress anymore so <laughs> my, my exercise routine's gone out the window but so I'm thinking about either getting back into like not five miles because that's, I'm not 20. I'm not 20 anymore. I'm almost 30, but maybe like a two mile run a day, either that or like a weekly hike. Um, Cause we have, we live in Ithaca and I don't know if you've heard, but Ithaca is gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of waterfalls and a lot of gorges. <laughs> so we have a lot of really cool nature trails and since really like the cold has hit, I haven't, I haven't, ventured, I haven't taken time to see any of those or try any of those out. So 
I'm considering maybe maybe we do that like a weekly kind of meditative hike to a waterfall and back. Nice. But I'm not sure. Cool. Still thinking on it. I have a week. Yeah. In my time, time, not in the audience time. In the audience time, I'm late. <laughs> yeah. Well, next time, the week after, we'll have more updates mm-hmm. on what this looks like. Sure thing. Yeah. So for today's episode, we are going to be diving into a topic that I think is pretty difficult to talk about. I think because it requires a lot of vulnerability, but we're going to be talking about shame and super light yeah <laughs> yeah super airy <laughs> really fun <laughs> and all, like, where our faith lies in in shame and what you can do if you're in that kind of shame spiral mm-hmm. you know how you can be gentle and kind with yourself and and kind of make that turn to something better so yeah. that's kind of that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. So when we decided to do this, I have this question, this running like debate in my head that I know that there are two different definitions for these two different words that I will give you. And there are some days when those two separate definitions are super clear and some days when they're not. So I want to ask you, Jill, mm-hmm. what do you view as the difference between guilt and shame? Because mm. there are days for me when those are the same thing. And there are days for me when they are completely different. And I'm not sure. I'm not always sure which is right. Mm-hmm. So I think the way I can describe this is to give an example first. And then I'll try to go into it a little bit more. I think guilt, let's say you mess up, right? There's something happens, you you messed up, okay? Having guilt would be, oh, I messed up. That stinks. I need to do better. Shame is that I am a mistake. I am a failure. I think shame is that added layer of making whatever shortcoming or whatever whatever it is that you have that you're measuring yourself to. When you fall short to that thing, your response of either it's a mistake or that that I did something wrong versus I personally am the mistake. Hmm. And I think that's the best way I can describe it. What do you think? Uh, I, that really strikes me. That really strikes me. That idea that guilt is almost the acknowledgement of, I hurt this person. I hurt Mm -hmm. myself. I messed up at work. I (laughs) (laughs) X, Y, Z. But shame is making that mistake your identity. Mm-hmm, exactly. Is really striking to me. And I don't know that I've ever heard it put like that. Oh, um, okay. But I like, I'm kind of blown away by it, honestly. It's kind of, it's kind of, rack, it's kind of racking <laughs> my world right now, Jilly. It's not because I have like talked about it in length and therapy, you know. <laughs> yeah, I just, I really think, and in, in my reflection and deep dive into this topic, I was looking up different definitions of shame and, you know, looking up on the internet. And I found this one definition that says that that shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Hmm. And that really stood out to me 
I think the part of the words unworthy, the word unworthy of, of something is what really strikes me because when I feel the most shame or the, the, the consequence of that shame is normally that I'm not enough Mm -hmm. and that my thing is so big that no one can meet me in that. And because of that, I'm not worthy of the love from my friends, from my husband, from my job or my vocation. Mm. And that's always been the hardest thing for me to work through. Because I really think it's born out of shame is born out of disappointment that you've fallen short. But when we use a marker that's unattainable, when I feel so I'll go with the example, I think that's the the easiest one of I know that this happened a lot when when I first got married, feeling like I the picture of what it meant to be a wife was something I had grounded up in my mind. And when I inevitably fell short of that, it was I didn't deserve to be a wife. My husband deserves better than me. And that shame spiral kept going and going when I think the heart of it is when we feel like there's a measure that we need to hold, that's when it kind of gets all messy. Hmm. And I I think that's even where our, it comes in so many lengths, whether that's a shame born out of spiritual, like a spiritual shame or emotional shame or physical shame. I think a lot of it we put on ourselves because we are trying to meet this expectation that no one but us has set. And when that doesn't happen is when the shame increases. And I I feel like that's where I've seen it in my own life or, or when I should all over myself, I should have done this. Hmm. I should have responded in this way. should all over yourself. Right. (laughs) (laughs) We're like, that's how a wife should act. And I'm doing the opposite. So clearly something's wrong with me. Yeah. And that's when, that's where I find my deepest shame spirals to be rooted in. Right. What I found is I get really frustrated with my shame because I'm an Enneagram seven. So <laughs> I don't like to sit still for very long in my personal life, my mental health and my like physical status, status, whatever. But I like to be, I like to be productive mm-hmm. and I like to be working toward a goal. I mean, like you've talked about, like you like the Legos, you know, it's a similar thing. I like to be mm-hmm. working toward a goal and shame is so unproductive. Like it sets you back so much further than you even notice it that mm-hmm. I just ignore it. And that's not healthy either. So instead of addressing it and being like, hey, this is an issue, you should probably talk it through with your therapist, with, uh, I don't know, in confession, with your friends, with mm-hmm. your husband, with anybody. Right. I'm just like, nope, we're just going to pretend like <laughs> that didn't happen and I didn't do that and yada, yada, yada. I'm going to just keep moving. But then it builds and it builds and it builds and it builds. Mm-hmm until I hit that spiral that you're talking about of like suddenly like you know you stub your toe and everything is awful and the world is ending and 
this is wrong and that's wrong and that's wrong. And back in 2012, right. I did that wrong. And back in 2008, <laughs> I did that wrong. Right. And X, Y, Z. Right. And then you spiral and spiral and spiral. So that idea of addressing it, whether that's in the sacrament of reconciliation or just in the sacrament of friendship, if I may mm-hmm. be so bold to yeah. call it that, mm-hmm. is so important. And I think it's part of our non-human nature to not, to not do that, right? To hide mm-hmm. from that shame, right? like Adam and Eve, right? Exactly. Yeah. Before they were naked and they felt no shame. After suddenly they realized that they've done something wrong and they hide instead of just facing up and saying, hey, this is, hey, guess what? Yeah. And I think now that I'm thinking about it more, my definition, I'm 90% sure, came from Brene Brown, as most of my (laughs) knowledge and wisdom comes from Brene Brown. (laughs) Love that woman. What a gem. And I mean, she talks so much about the power of vulnerability Mm -hmm. because what is required or what drives out shame, vulnerability, being able to see that the guilt is going into shame and that the the truths that you the the false truth that you're speaking to yourself is a false narrative that you have created to keep yourself in this box of self-loathing and self-hatred and shame but what takes you out of that is vulnerability being able to go to anyone like the things that Katie just mentioned and say i feel this way and to let someone speak truth to your heart and say I hear you but this is literally not the truth (laughs) this is not what's actually happening I don't actually think that you are a horrible wife or that Mm -hmm. because you didn't do this one thing that you are not worthy to be loved that's actually the exact opposite and is that scary as heck oh yes And to be able to admit that out loud to someone is hard Mm -hmm. and requires a lot of vulnerability and courage and strength. But I don't think shame can be mitigated if you don't do that. Absolutely. Every now and then, if I'm in one of those shame spirals, I'll sit Jake down. I'll be like, I have to tell you something. He'll be like, oh my God, what's what's wrong? (laughs) I'd be like, back in 2015, <laughs> I... <laughs> but I feel so much better. Like I've never right. spoken about that. Sometimes it's a silly thing that like, Jake's like, Kitty, that's not, no one even heard that or nobody even saw that or like you farted, like who cares? Like <laughs> whatever. And sometimes it's like, you know, okay, yeah, that's a real growing moment. Mm-hmm. But even just, having those three minutes of can I tell you this thing that happened that I did wrong several years ago is just so freeing Mm -hmm. even if it's absolutely nothing right that really makes me think about why confession is so important Mm -hmm. and right now I'll admit that I'm not good at going I'm not good at at making that a, a a regular part of my life so this is coming out of someone I just want to make that clear that I'm already admitting that that's not something I'm very good at. Because again, who likes to sit in front of someone, sit in front of God and tell them 
all the things that you think you're terrible at or that and you- even though it's it is god like you are talking to god yes but right. there there is another person there <laughs> right right <laughs> that, like that's hard for your brain to turn off mm-hmm. that yes, mode very much so and i only will go to father low who is the priest that married my husband that celebrated my wedding first time I've been all right. I I was gonna not say that, but <laughs> I think it's important. I got married in COVID in 2020, and then and then did another reception that was supposed to be the party that we did at first again in 2022. So I refer to that as wedding one is 2020, and wedding two is 2022. Like a renewal, Both yeah. still to Richard, yes. <laughs> Both still to Richard, but sometimes I have to call him my second husband, and he your first like husband, that. your second husband, yeah, correct. So so he was one who who, who celebrated wedding one. And I will never forget, I hadn't gone in such a long time before college because this priest, I I remember at that point, both of my grandparents had lived with us. And I remember that one day I just was like really short with them and I felt horrible. I felt horrible for the way that I talked to my grandparents and I went to confession and I said it and the, the response from the priest made me feel like I was two feet tall and just like tore me apart. And I was so upset and didn't go for years after that. So if you have had an experience like that, I am sorry. I know it does happen again. That's so rude. Yes, we're talking to God, but sometimes, you know, people are human and the the messages can get construed, then misconstrued. But so because of that, I didn't go for years, years. I go and I, I knew it was really heavy on my heart. I needed, I need, there was so much I needed to talk to God about. So I finally got the courage to go to confession to Father Low. And when I tell you, I had a I wrote out a list, a full-on list, and read the whole thing. I must, and I was hysterical, hysterically sobbing. And I get through my list, and Father Low looks at me and he goes, That's it. And I'm like, that's it. I hate when priests do that too much to forgive. That is too much to say. It's fine. That is too much to say that everything is going to be okay. It's too much. I had years of sin, years of sin. That would just was an ginormous little package for you. And I put it in front of your feet and you said that that was nothing. How on earth? So ungrateful. Like I worked hard on those sins. Right. (laughs) And what he said to me was, if you don't leave this room and act and know that you are forgiven, you're letting the devil win. You're letting the sin overcome you. You're letting that win. And that is such a disservice to you and to God because you are forgiven. Before you even stepped foot in confession, you were forgiven. Hmm. And it's so important for you to know that. And I have never been the same since. I've also not gone to confession to anyone else but Father Lowe since. But, which probably I need to you know reflect on that a little bit more. But I share all that to say, it's so important to stand in the light, to, to let the light drive out the darkness of that shame in your heart because it will consume you. It will drag you down unlike anything you even... No. And sometimes you might not even realize how much of the weight of that shame is impacting your life until you finally let it go and let that grudge go against yourself, against whoever it is. 
or whatever that is that you need forgiveness for to truly allow yourself to be forgiven and to know that that is true and that you are more than your brokenness and your sin. That truth is the the thing that will set you free to to let your heart be light. And does that, if that, and that's not a one and done thing. It's not like you do this work and you wake up one day and it's done. You know, mm-hmm. this is something that you have to, we have to work on every single day. And some days it's harder than others. And some days we let those negative thoughts, we let those limiting beliefs that we have about ourselves win, mm-hmm. but you deserve better than that. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is all throughout our scripture too, obviously, but I'll admit it's sometimes hard to find, Mm -hmm. especially if you're not used to reading the Bible or if depending on the baggage you have coming into that experience or your experiences or whatever from the past. Out of curiosity, I went on to Bible Gateway today and I, I just searched the keyword shame (laughs) (laughs) and there were in the new american bible revised edition there were 199 results so it's discussed a fair amount uh both in the old testament and the new testament it is worth noting that most of those i think 31 of those results were from a book of the psalms most of which the writer or david or whoever is writing these psalms is praying to god that they are not put to shame that they do not blush with shame that shame doesn't overcome them, but rather those who doubt the power and mercy of God. And I was really struck by this passage in Isaiah, Isaiah 54. So for two two context clues or two uh, important things, I am by no means a professional <laughs> at exegesis. What does that mean, Katie? Oh, great question. Exegesis is like, (laughs) is the breakdown of scripture, the study of scripture, like looking at the context, reading it, like the signs of the times, which means, you know, putting that scripture into the history that it was written in Mm -hmm. with the knowledge of the culture of the writer, the culture of the area, the culture of whichever empire or kingdom was ruling at the time, X, yada, yada, yada. Like, there's a million other things that go into this. I'm not a professional at this. There are a lot of people that are. I took one class in grad school. So I tough. have, I, I really <laughs> liked that class. Shout out Professor da- Dr. Andrew Davis. He's, oh, yeah, he's, he's the a, best. Yeah, he's the he's best. best. Shout out um, to his bow ties. Shout out to his bow ties. <laughs> And another important context here is that the Israelites had this habit. They would fall into this cycle of this like four part cycle where number one, God is great. God is our savior. Rely only on God, praising God, constantly worshiping God, having this beautiful relationship with God. Second part of the cycle is everything's going fine. So the people are like, who even needs God? Everything's fine. I got this. I got this. I got this, which would lead them to number three, part three of the cycle of, oh, shoot, we relied only on ourselves. And now this other more powerful kingdom has conquered us because the Israelites are rather small people comparatively. 
and we thought we were too god too good for god and that we could do this on our own and now we've fallen and we've been conquered which would lead to part four of the cycle of god please hear my cry save us save us save us this is where a lot of the prophets come into play this is where a lot of our judges come into play so this is kind of part of the context of isaiah in isaiah 54 it's called the new zion the babylonian refugees the israelites are returning to jerusalem and isaiah is talking about how they messed up and they messed up big and because they messed up big they were able to be conquered by the babylonians and now god has saved them and they are returning to jerusalem kind of in shame and that idea of like, you know, the prodigal son, are they gonna, are they gonna forgive me? Is God gonna forgive us this time? I don't know. We've done this a lot. But once again, God does forgive them. And so I was thinking a lot on 54, Isaiah 54, 4 through 5, and how it's all about, you're gonna mess up. God forgives you. God is merciful. And if God has forgiven those things you view as shameful. Maybe it's time you do as well, because until you do that, you can't move forward in rebuilding your relationship with God, with yourself or with your community. So I'm just going to read, read that really quick. And then we can move on. Do not fear. You should not be put to shame. Do not be discouraged. You shall not be disgraced for the shame of your youth. You shall, you shall forget the reproach of your widowhood. No longer remember. For your husband is your maker, the Lord of hosts is his name, your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, called God of all the earth. And also, you know, there's a lot of spousal imagery in that of is the Israelites as the bride and God as the bridegroom, which we see also in the New Testament. But we won't get into that. Anyway, I just really loved that. Uh, that really stuck out to me. And I'm really glad that, first of all, beautiful explanation. So great. Thank you, Katie. For, for, um, I hope I did. Dr. Davis proud. <laughs> I think so. But I also just, when you were explaining that cycle, that four-part cycle, how relatable is mm-hmm. that? That is something that I think we all can see ourselves in, that when we're, life is good, we're loving it, we're thanking God, we get to the point where we're getting a little cocky, like, oh, all right, I don't what have to be as thankful because I got this. And then we're like, oh, no, I don't. And then we're in that position that we're like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I need your help. And then when this happens, I won't take it for granted this time. Mm -hmm. I know I won't. And then it just happens over and over again. Why? Because we're human. Human condition. It's, it just, it happens. Yeah. But it's been happening since literally the dawn of time. Like, yes, our first mythology is about that same cycle (laughs) (laughs) but and even despite all that god knows this cycle that we will inevitably fall in but yet still adores every part of us Mm -hmm. and that is just a truth that i know i need to sit in a heck of a lot more and will always welcome you home yeah like the prodigal son yeah yeah so with that all being said Going back to the beginning here, when Katie asked the question, the difference between guilt and shame, you know, and being that 
our email is catholicguilt at gmail.com. Hit us up. <laughs> yeah, be our friend. Tell us what you think about life and us and everything. But I think there is a place for guilt, for that moral compass that we have been given that tells us right from wrong. And I think, unfortunately, if you look into Catholic education or why, why is it that guilt is associated with Catholic school or Catholic church in general? Just, where yeah, Where awesome. is that guilt coming from? I don't know because Jake doesn't have, Jake's Presbyterian. He doesn't have that. And so whenever I bring these 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 episodes to him, he's like, "Ah, oh, it's that Catholic guilt kicking back in." Like, <laughs> and I say, "Well, I'm not a heathen, all right?" Yeah, I mean, maybe I know I've shared on like our first episode, I think that my my faith was born out of fear, and I guess that could be another way of as you're younger, how how is it that you take ownership of your faith or even start a faith journey or faith life whether i mean i took the avenue of fear that i'm going to do this because i'm afraid of the outcome of what would happen if i don't or if you have someone telling you that you need to do this or someone will be mad or like the outcome maybe it's not fear but maybe you feel guilted or that you have to do something or you should do something and you go along with it because the the guilt that would ensue if you didn't would be present or mm. too much. Sure. Or you don't want to to feel that feeling. So I'm going to keep going because I don't like to feel icky about not saying my prayers. So I'm going to say them, maybe not mean them, but I'm going to do it so I can say I did it and avoid that guilt. Mm-hmm. Right. And we also know two separate things here. We know that shame can be a tool of control, right? And I do wonder, like we joke about Catholic guilt. Guilt is a good sign, right? Sometimes that you have a moral compass, that you know, okay, I messed up. However, when it does transform into that shame, that can be a tool of control for any system Mm. so you know especially in the catholic church especially as women or you know any minority in this in this catholic church in this country or in this culture how much has shame and guilt been weaponized Mm. against the church's people right? right against the church itself because the people are the church right so this this idea of Catholic guilt, I'm wondering, is it because we emphasize so much sometimes on sin? Mm -hmm. Is it because that emphasis has been weaponized against us? Weaponized is a harsh term. I understand that. But, you know, I'm going to, it is what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Is it, or is it because our moral compass is well-defined. Is it all of the above? Right. I'm not quite sure. I'm just talking at this point. I'm, I'm just, I'm just working through it. Yeah, no, I think that's a good question. 
I don't know either. I think yeah. it's all, <laughs> I'm thinking about it. Uh, I don't know either. I think that's all good things to to think about, especially for someone who might be listening, who can identify with this idea of Catholic guilt and why it's so prevalent. I would love for you to write in it's in something, either <laughs> our email or even um, Instagram or who, if you know us, text us or whatever. Would love to know your thoughts on this too. I think this is an important conversation that we can have. Because again, if we shine light on the, the things that bring us pain or can be negative in some way, that's how we we drive out the darkness. So Absolutely. I think that's a really great conversation that we can maybe start um, with all of you, where, where you think it comes from mm-hmm. um, and how we can give our young people more agency to come into their faith on their own terms instead of feeling fear or guilt or shame right into or guilted or feared into faith yeah i just remember my college experience and that was not even catholicism right that was a completely different denomination but how they used shame and guilt as a control method for conversion right right And so if that's something that you relate to, if that's something that you've experienced, I hope that this podcast gives you something to consider, that that's not what God wants. Mm -hmm. God absolutely wants us to form our moral compass and our consciences, consciences, (laughs) I hate that word, and listen to the Holy Spirit and the guidance uh, of the Spirit and the saints, absolutely. But- Shame is not a part of that deal at all. Right. Absolutely. So all this to say, you know, maybe, so maybe you're sitting here feeling that you have a heavy heart. You're sitting here and you are listening, maybe thinking the same things that, that we've talked about, that your sin is too big, that you've fallen too far, that there's, there's too much to be forgiven. There's too much there. Maybe this time of Lent can be a way of you releasing that guilt and talking, talking real truths to yourself. Mm -hmm. I think one of the the things that I struggle with the most is the way I speak to myself really plays into the shame that I feel or Mm -hmm. however, wherever I'm at in that barometer of feeling good about myself or not feeling good about myself is the way I speak to myself. I've talked a little bit about that the last couple of years, I had been dealing with some health issues and because of that the the way that my body looks has really changed a lot and I find myself telling myself that I don't look the way that I used to and that that I don't look good enough and that I'm I'm not pretty anymore I don't I don't recognize myself anymore and when I let those thoughts consume me I get into such a dark place and the disservice that it does to myself you know instead of looking at myself and seeing and seeing how far I've come I could only see this negative part of myself that you know I try to forget I try to move on but that's just part of you you know your shortcomings or the Mm. things you don't like about yourself that makes you who you are we only have one body and one soul in this world and God made no mistakes when God made us. And that is the most important thing to, to note. And what I try now when I'm in those 
in that shame spiral is to 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 see just how far I've come and that maybe I might not look the way that I did before. I might have a, a slew more of vitamins that I now have to take, <laughs> but my body got me through such a really difficult time. And that mm-hmm. is cause for celebration. That Amen. is cause to be thankful for the body that God had given me and that that is strength and beauty at its finest. The fact that I'm even saying that out loud right now is wild to me. Hey, taken <laughs> freaking men shout it yeah. to the mountaintops. <laughs> and if nothing else for Lent, maybe take, get five positive affirmations that you need that maybe that's what I'm going to do. That's my third thing. There you I'm go. There's your third thing, Jilly. Positive affirmations that I'm going to speak over myself every single day so that I never forget that that fact that I am loved and I am perfect the way I am and that I don't need to look a certain way or act a certain way. I don't need to, to be this type of minister that I had in my head, that that's the the way I need to be as a campus minister. No, I am. I am great. I am whole. I am loved. I am worthy as I am. And so are you. There is no, you have me pumped up right now. I could (laughs) run through a damn door. I, (laughs) I am pumped oh, right now. But that is the beauty of our faith, of the beauty Amen. of God's love. That when you finally let yourself feel the love <laughs> that God has for you, or try to even try to even picture what that even looks like, or really let that truth sit in your heart, it unlocks a part of you that you didn't even know existed. That if we just lived in that truth more, oh my gosh, no wonder why sin is prevalent. That negativity that you can allow yourself to feel is such a disservice to the person that you are. And, you know, you have to remember, I have a shirt that says, remember who and whose you are. And that if you are rooted and grounded in the, in the truth, who you are is a child of God and you, and, and whose you are, that, that will always take forefront and that you will always know these truths that you are enough and you are worthy and you are beautiful and you are not a mistake. No part about you is a mistake and there is no room for negativity or shame in your life. I feel like the Holy Spirit just like took over. (laughs) Do you even remember what you just said? (laughs) Like, did you just black out? Because that Mm -hmm. was so beautiful and like, I don't know where that came from. My gosh. (laughs) Amen. Wow. I am pumped. I'm going to run those five miles now. (laughs) Yay. Ugh, Jillian, I got goosebumps. You know, sometimes the spirit just sneaky Jesus just gets in there. (laughs) Sneaky Jesus. That's just what I think I needed to hear right now. And the Holy Spirit just took over. And hopefully Mm. you hear it too. And you're reminded of that fact because it's life is too short to play small. You know, I think that's also what I've learned in the last couple years is that within all of this. And I think one day the people who know me know pretty much what I've my story, but if people really want to know the, but the health journey that I've been on and all that stuff, especially for women be needing to be an advocate for yourself and make sure you're heard. And then when you know something is not right in your body, continue to fight for the answer and don't let someone dismiss you. But again, I, I'll, I can go into that in another episode. If people really want to know, I'm, I, I will find the courage somehow to put that all out there. 
but we'll get there. But yes, but what I think another thing that I've learned is that, you know, in, in the height of my shame, I wanted to be as insignificant and unseen as humanly possible. I was very conscious of the space that I took up both physically and emotionally, mentally, like in other people's lives and my physical space that I took up and I wanted to blend into the wall. I didn't want to be seen or known or acknowledged in positive or negative. I just wanted to exist and have no one comment on it. And I've now come to the conclusion that I deserve more than that. And it's so funny at my, my sister-in-law's wedding, I think Rich's whole family thought I was drunk and I didn't drink a lick of alcohol that entire night. But I think a version of me, the true version of me came out that night of just being so happy for her and so happy to be, and my parents were there and it was just a great day. And I fit into my dress and I felt beautiful. That was the first time that I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, I saw the version of me that I've been trying to find. That's always been there, but I couldn't find for so long. And that I heard the the song by Pink, I'm never gonna not dance again. And that is literally the motto for 2024 is that I'm never gonna sit on the sideline and let myself yes. fall into nothing because I'm I'm worth more than that. I'm gonna continue to live my life and let that part of me show. And although yes, it's human condition to be a little afraid of rejection, but you know what? Too bad because you know what? God loves me and the people in my life that I love, love me back. And that's all that you need to know. So let that be your anthem as well. Period. Do the dance, wear the dress, do the thing. Life's too short. Period. <laughs> Drop your I'm mic not. on the follower right now. I dare you. I'm not dropping this mic. I'm not buying a new one if I break it. <laughs> Drop this very expensive podcast mic on the floor right now. Well, just know that we are praying for all of you that we're grateful Mm. that you are we love all of you yes so much thank you for being part of this and helping our dreams come true this podcast was a dream of ours for quite some time and it's so funny i don't know why i feel like being so honest right now probably because i'm really tired it's been (laughs) a very long day after our first episode when i talked about the divine mercy prayer I you have to use Canva a lot, the website that you can make flyers and things. So I made one about the divine mercy and I never posted it, obviously, because you're like, no, you didn't, because I never saw it. Correct. You never saw it because I got I got scared. I was playing scared. I just said I wasn't gonna do that anymore. And I did. And I was afraid that maybe I didn't explain it right. And maybe this isn't good enough and that people are gonna look at this and think it's not good. So I got afraid and I didn't post it. So maybe this will be the post. That'll be the picture when when we post that this episode is live. And then when you listen to this episode, you'll understand why that's the the picture that is there. But just again, to show you that we can let that negative self-talk and that shame so easily creep into our lives. And don't be even more hard on yourself when you realize that. Like right now, I could really be mad at myself. Just not productive. yeah, of not being enough, of you looking at this and thinking that I'm not enough to or worthy of this podcast. Yeah. And we can't live like that. We can't Don't do be it. ashamed of your nakedness. Yeah. Word. Don't be like Adam and Eve. Post that Divine Mercy chaplet on Instagram. Yeah. Well, hopefully. And then you know what, people? If you're listening to this and it's still on Instagram, <laughs> troll me in the comments. <laughs>
troll me in the DMs <laughs> until I post it. And you're going to look at it and be like, are you kidding me? This was the most simple post. Where are you talking about? But welcome to my life. Oh my gosh. Well, to wrap up, thought the act of contrition might be a nice... Oh, is that two yeah. on the nose? No, I love that. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. My God, I'm sorry for my sins with all of my heart and choosing to do wrong and failing to do good. I've sinned against you, whom I should love above all things. Friendly intend with your help to do penance, to sin no more, and to avoid whatever leads me to sin. Amen. Amen. Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you all for joining us. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Make good choices. Bye.